the key, I think, with imposter complex is when it shows up, the key is to just not let it stop you. And so as long as we're not letting our imposter syndrome or imposter complex stop us from doing what we're here to do, like writing books, that's all that we can ask for. This is your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 378 with guest Amy Ehlers. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here with me this week. I have one of my favorite people in the world, Amy Ehlers, is on the show today, and we are talking about imposter complex, we're talking about inner critic, and we are also sharing some personal experiences we have and how we get through when imposter complex and inner mean girl, as Amy likes to call it, gets on us too, because it still happens. We are only human, and we thought it would be helpful to share some experiences with you. And also, before I forget, we will talk about this at the very end of the show, but Amy and I are coming at you live on March 16th. We're doing a free workshop, and it's similar to the one that we did last year. It's been a whole year. I know. It went by excruciatingly slow and very fast, <laughs> but it's all about writing, and whether you want to write a book or you're just kind of curious about it, if you want to self-publish, if you want to go traditional publishing, the workshop is called Top 10 Kick-Ass Tips to Get Your Writing Project started and complete. And again, it's on March 16th at three o'clock Eastern time. That's noon Pacific. It's absolutely no cost. And if you head on over to writingexperienceprogram.com slash tips, you can sign up. And again, that's writingexperienceprogram.com slash tips. That link is also in the show notes. I cannot wait to see you there. And if you can't make it live, yes, there will be a recording sent to you probably as soon as that evening. But if you can make it live, I highly encourage you to do it. I know a lot of you are working from home now. So maybe you can just like have it on in your ear as you're also working. And I know that last year the community was so amazing there on, on the workshop live and lots of amazing side conversations happening. So for those of you that don't know Amy, let me tell you a little bit about her. Amy Ehlers is a master women's leadership and life coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. Amy is on a mission to stop women from self-bullying and being so darn hard on themselves so they can make their greatest possible contribution. So without further ado, here is Amy. <laughs> Amy Ehlers, back on the show. Welcome. One of my favorite shows in the entire world to be on. Let me just tell you that right oh, now, lady. <laughs> I am so glad to have you. And we have a lot to talk about. So let's jump in. And I'm I'm really pumped to talk about this topic that I haven't I haven't had anybody on in a minute to to share some knowledge about this. And it's about imposter oh, complex. Yep. And so one of the interesting things when I wrote about imposter complex in my second book, so many people wrote to me and said they related with that and didn't know it was a thing. 
So I'm I'm sure you hear that too. So how do you see it show up, especially for women who want to start something new or complete a big project? Well, you know, I always like to talk about imposter complex, imposter syndrome. It's that feeling of doubt, the voice in your head that says you're not enough, that you're a fraud, when in reality, you are more than qualified right? There's this chronic self-doubt and this sense of intellectual fraudulence that overrides all the feelings of success. And then, and I love that you said like when you're starting something new, because there are times when you're a beginner and when you're new at something, and this is just basically you being a beginner. That's not that you're an imposter, means that you're a beginner. And I think it's so fascinating how women in particular, we feel like we're supposed to be masterful at everything, even when it's new to us. <laughs> I don't know why right. we do that, but yeah. it's crazy. Isn't it? I don't, I haven't seen the research on this. Maybe you have that because both men and women do struggle with imposter complex, but it tends to, it is, a, it is somewhat gendered and how it, it, it affects women more so. And the way I see it show up in my clients, especially when they're starting a new job, when they got the job and it seems to be, especially when they beat out a lot of people, they get that feeling of, I don't belong Mm -hmm. here. How could they have picked Mm me? Um, When are they going to find out? I have no idea what I'm doing. And they did not in fact lie on their resume (laughs) or in their interview at all. Totally. Well, it's like um, my friend Jill calls it the hiring hangover. Like you're working your butt oh off. Gosh, that I have never, you know, I, I love it because it's like, you know, you're working your tail off trying to get that job and you're doing everything that you can. And you're going through that interview process and you're like putting your best foot forward and totally like being the badass that you are or whatever. And then you get hired. And then this hangover hits you of like, oh my gosh, now I need to actually show up and do this job. And in any moment, they're going to see that I'm a total fraud. I'm a total imposter. And there is an interesting study, Andrea, since you brought up a study, there's a 2019 study called Overcoming Imposter Feeling, How Senior Executives Manage Their Insecurities. That's a mouthful. But what this study found is that female leaders experience imposter syndrome at a much higher degree than men. More than half, 54% to be exact, scored frequent or high versus only about a quarter, 24% of men. And the study felt like Mm. unconscious bias around gender and leadership is definitely likely a contributing factor. And I know for me, and I know for you too, that, you know, coaching women from all different walks of life, emerging, rising, established women leaders, it is an extraordinarily common and paralyzing when left unchecked. Right. When left unchecked. And yeah, I just, I want to normalize it. And then also... It's kind of that point in, in personal development. I call it the point of no return. You can't unsee what yes. you see. And I have compassion for people who are like, oh my God, I struggle with that too and didn't know before. They're like, thanks a lot, Andrea and Amy. <laughs> but it's it's truly one of those things that you'll start to notice it and then you can do work on it. Like things like, I know for me, there's a few things that I do that that I'll, I'll kind of rattle off is that I ask myself the question, first of all, when I hear my my inner critic or inner mean girl, as you like to call it, I notice it very quickly. And I 
just, I'm very neutral about it. So I'm like, well, that's interesting. That just happened. Those are the kind of things I tell myself. And then I just get curious about it. Like, I wonder where that came from. I wonder why I think that. And I mean, sometimes I throw like a complete, I have like a mental meltdown. Let's be honest. (laughs) Just getting really curious about it, having self-compassion, surrounding myself with really amazing women, yourself included, who I can come to and say, I'm having I mean, just, I think it was just yesterday I was, I was messaging you and another group of women talking about how my ego was bruised about something, you know, like I just where you can be vulnerable and voice what's going on and you're not met with judgment. And I'm not even necessarily meant with like this amazing pep talk of like, Oh, you're crazy. You're, you're amazing. Don't ever think that about yourself. And it takes time to nurture those relationships, but that's just some of the things I do to combat my own imposter complex. What about you? I love it. Well, I mean, I think one of the first things when I have that feeling coming up is the first thing is I have to ask myself, am I just doing something new? Am I a beginner at this? Where I'm like putting these unrealistic expectations on myself to be advanced when I'm a beginner. And so if I'm a beginner, like I kind of check myself that way, then I go, okay, well, I'm just learning something new. I'm not supposed to be an expert. So then I'll let it go that way. But if in fact... I'm up leveling and I am qualified, right? And I and that imposter syndrome is afoot. I'll reframe it and really look at what is this new level and I'll reframe it as hooray, I'm having a breakthrough. Like I am breaking through to a new level. And so I'll start to really change my perspective about it and the story. So instead of the story I'm an imposter, I think I'm up leveling. I'm growing. I'm having a breakthrough right now. This is so exciting. And I always love that metaphor of water. When water has the breakthrough into steam, it has to go through that boiling point first. So there's that chaos that happens before it can transform into steam. And so all of you listening, if you're going to another level in your career, maybe you're putting yourself out there and you're falling in love and you feel like that imposter thing of like, oh my gosh, any moment, this guy, this woman's going to find out that I'm a mess and that I'm totally unworthy of being loved, Mm -hmm. right? That you can be like, I'm having a breakthrough. Like this is something I'm up-leveling in my life. Like this is something good and really start changing that narrative inside your head. And I just think that our narratives are so powerful. Very, very true. And that sounds like upper limit stuff, which I talk about a lot Mm -hmm. over on the podcast. And for I have experienced imposter complex and upper limit stuff every time. Well, definitely in my relationship, but also, of course, in in, at work. And, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for so long. I'm thinking back to my corporate days when I worked when I worked there. And I don't think that I had it. I hadn't quite climbed the corporate ladder as to where I was headed yet before I got out. But for me, it's been every time I've written a book, Mm -hmm. it asks, because so I just wrote my third one. And this time I was like, I'm ready. Yeah, I am going to walk into this with all the knowledge and all the confidence and all the positive thinking. Yeah. (laughs) And what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first COVID, yes, right? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yep. That was tough for everyone. And, and, and it just, it was, you know, a, a new publisher, you know, it was this big name publisher happening and I felt like I had to impress everybody. And there was a lot writing on this and my second book was successful. So this one has to be more successful. So there's all these things that are sort of on my shoulder, barking in my ear. And I was, I was a bit of a wreck for a little while. 
I was there. there. I saw it. You were a little bit of a wreck. I crashed and burned (laughs) a few times. I got through it. You did get through it. Well, and you had your breakthrough. You know, the key, I think, with imposter complex is when it shows up, the key is to just not let it stop you. These things are going to show up. Like it's part of being human. And certainly for those of you that are women, it is very much part of what's going on. Like if we bring in the old patriarchy and all this stuff of how it wants us to continue to think that we are imposter designed that way, Mm -hmm. that patriarchal system, you know, you, you had the breakthrough, you persevered. And so as long as we're not letting our imposter syndrome or imposter complex stop us from doing what we're here to do, like writing books, I mean, that's all that we can ask for. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Like, because I think, and it just breaks my heart, like whether you're thinking about writing a book or you want to start a new career or you want to start dating again. And it's, we have all these scary thoughts of what could go wrong or we're not qualified enough. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have the right certifications. I need to, you know, get more schooling, et cetera, et cetera. And then we quit. I mean, I've quit several things in my life that I've regretted. I've quit some things that I, that I didn't regret, but, but I've definitely, the ones that hurt the most are the ones where I quit. And I, I regret that decision and I could have quit writing any of my yep. books. And it just is about, and like, I have to admit, I feel like I'm a little bit dramatic at times. Like, <laughs> you? What? I can't relate at all. Let me just tell you martyrdom. Right <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's, but that as someone who struggles with anxiety disorder as well, mm-hmm. like I can have those runaway thoughts that are just, I have no control yep. of them and they spin and spin and spin. And I feel like I don't have any, like I feel helpless and a bit hopeless in, in terms of like my mental, oh, it just like, even thinking about it makes me like, oh gosh, I feel sorry. I feel so sorry for myself, <laughs> but it's, it, it's daunting and it's just part of the human experience. And I just, I want people listening to, to relate and think about something in their life, either that's happening in the present moment or that they've sort of had on the back burner. Um, or maybe even that they've quit and regretted it so they can look back and learn from their mistakes and think, what could I have done differently so that I could have completed the project yeah. or gone for the thing that I wanted to get? I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from one of our sponsors. Recently, I've been mildly obsessed with organizing everything from the coat closet to the laundry room to our pantry. Yes, I bought those airtight containers for pastas, cereals, and chips because I'm telling you, organizing is self-care for me. And since we spend so much time meal planning, shopping, prepping, and the reward is eating, I recently turned to Green Chef to help me stay organized and one step ahead of any chaos. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Their Thai sweet chili chicken thighs is still my number one favorite meal of theirs. Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. 
Green Chef is the number one kit for eating well. So go to greenchef.com slash kickass and use code kickass90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash kickass90. Use code kickass90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. Well, what do you feel like you know, has been the biggest thing that has kept you going. Like here you are, your third book about to come out. You've kicked ass, um, no pun intended. When it comes to book sales, like you're such a badass and even you suffer from imposter complex at times, right? Like, so again, normalizing it. But what do you feel like is the thing that really kept you going with your writing projects so that you would really There's make it happen? There's a few things. I, I've had to slow down and do a bit of compartmentalizing because mm. when I allow my brain to wander and I think about all the people that might read it and then all the people that might not like it, mm-hmm. and then maybe I should write differently for those people to get them to like it and then to like me. And and also, you know, I'll, if I let myself sit idle for too long, I start thinking, well, I haven't written in so long. It's been like a year. I'm so rusty. I don't know what I'm doing. How in the world did I even get this book deal? And so I have to sort of compartmentalize. And what I mean by that is, is I, I have to pause. You know, if it's really bad, then I have to put it away. I have to put the project away, at least for the afternoon, or it might be like a couple of days. If it's really bad, I also reach out to my friends and tell them what's going on. And also here's the key. Tell them exactly what I'm looking for. Tell them what yep. I need. Yeah. So, you know, people listening, like your friends might immediately try to fix it because they want to help you because they care about right. you. And that right. might not be what you need. Maybe you do. Sometimes I do want advice. So I'll ask for it. Sometimes I just need to vent. Sometimes I need people to remind me who I am. Those type of things. And I try my best to tap into t- any time in my life that I can remember And for those listening, it might be when you were five, it might be when you were 25, (laughs) um, or it might even be, you know, your, your grandmother that you loved who gave great advice or a mentor or a manager that you had that, that you really admired that person or former self of yours that, you know, what would they tell you? So for me, I think of when I was 22 years old, I had my first office job and I was so excited. And I was, I had, I had like my, one of my very first meeting, like a com- like in the conference room, you know, it was like this big long table. It was a corporate office. It was a buying office for a chain of um, retail stores. I was an assistant buyer and I was just like, so excited that I was going to like be in this, this, this meeting with all the other people, all the other grownups. And I was the youngest person there. And the president of the company asked for ideas for something. And I was sitting towards the end of the table. I think I've told the story on the show before. And I gave an idea. I blurted it out, like not even thinking at all. Like, like why wouldn't I, right? Like I was mm-hmm. so green. I just, it was my very first job like that. And I'm like, I had a good idea. I'm going to say it. And I remember like all the heads at the table swiveled and turned and looked at me and the looks on their faces, it was a mix of surprise and 
a little bit of admiration, like, mm-hmm. damn, look at the new girl. Like, <laughs> but the, the biggest feeling I got from that moment was, oh, this doesn't happen very often to mm-hmm. pe- for people like me. I remember being uncomfortable, but not, maybe I was a little embarrassed, but not, it didn't stop me from, from, you know, giving my ideas again. So I think back to that delusional confidence that I had like, before the corporate world got a hold of me. Totally. <laughs> and like, bef- like before my work inner critic really got a hold of me. And that's, that's who I tap into. I mean, there are mm. other people that I admire in the world. You know, I'll think of Michelle Obama and my favorite Cha-Cha de Gregorio from the movie Grease. But really, like, <laughs> I, I think of my 22-year-old self, you know, like yeah. she would just have this delusional confidence of, of like, of course it's going to work. Why Why wouldn't I go for that? <laughs> right. There's no reason not to. I love it. I love that you call on your 22-year-old self that was like had delusional confidence and was just like, I'm jumping in. Yeah. You know? I had no other experience. I had no other experience being dismissed or talked over at those meetings. Like I was so fresh and green and like ready to work and participate. I love that. But I, you know, youth. Ah, I know. Yeah, I miss it. (laughs) We're just two middle-aged ladies sitting here talking about books, dragging on our cigarettes and martinis. No, <laughs> yep, that's our afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's it, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you've been sober for how long? <laughs> Almost 10 years. Yeah, nine and a half years. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's just some of the things that I do when I'm when I'm feeling very impostery and yeah. and my inner critic has gotten gotten a hold of me. I just feel like writing books, and I remember my mom said this to me when I was writing my first book. And you know, I had no idea if I would ever get a book deal, of course. And you know, this was back in 2009, 2010. I remember my mom looking at me and she said the most incredible acknowledgement. She just said, Amy, I, cause I, cause I of course didn't know the ropes about nonfiction books and that you had to have a book proposal dun dun dun, right. If you wanted to get a traditional book deal. So I wrote my book first and my mom was like, I just, I can't believe that you're putting this much work into something that you have no idea whether or not it's going to go anywhere. Like if anybody's ever going to really read it, like this is just so admirable that you would just do this and do all this work and spend all this time and all this energy and all these hours. And you just don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're doing it despite that. And I just like, I think a, like, you know, I was a lot younger than two. So I think I had some sort of (laughs) like, no, no, I'm going to make sure that I get this book published. But it was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like it might not go anywhere. Like this might not ever be on a bookstore shelf ever, but I'm going to say because it's in my heart. It's in my soul. I've noticed this pattern as a coach. I want to help women get through this pattern of being hard on themselves and beating themselves up and lying to themselves about how amazing they are. And, you know, it's like, I just had that in me and I just felt like I had to get it out. And I'm sure there's people listening right now where you just have to get it out. Like you have something on your heart, whether it's a novel or a nonfiction book or what have you, you, you have that writing project that's collecting dust in your brain or on your computer or in the drawer. And there's just part of you that knows you have to get this out into the world in some way and you have to complete it. Mm -hmm. No matter what. 
Yeah. What was the name of that first book? It wasn't that the big fat lies women tell themselves. Like, yeah. Big fat lies women tell themselves. We'll put that yeah. link in the show notes. Cause it's such a good book. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if like, do you think writing books is for everyone? Cause I don't you No, know, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> think necessarily, I feel like that's a bad everyone. answer, but yeah. <laughs> You're like, before you answer, I'm going to answer my opinion. <laughs> You're so funny. Here's my big fat opinion. I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but I, you know, I think it's really interesting because I've seen the studies that say that like, I mean, the percentage of people yeah. that feel like they have a book in them is off mm-hmm. the charts. It's the vast majority of people according to, to different studies. But I don't think, I, I think writing is for everybody that wants to write. hundred percent. Yes, I agree you know, with that. You know, right. So it's like whether you're writing in your journal or you're writing Facebook posts. Like I have friends that I feel like are doing a blog on Facebook. Basically they put all their feelings out there. Right. And like, that's how they get through the world, you know, especially right now with everything going on. But it's like, I feel like everybody writing is a tool for everybody. Writing a book isn't for everybody. Yes. And I think it takes a certain amount of tenacity and desire and the desire to not only write for yourself and for enjoyment, but to write for others. And that's different. Mm-hmm. And it, and writing a book is hard, y'all. Like, let me just say, having written two books, it is hard. It's a it lot is of hard. Work. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, well, okay. I agree with that. I think that writing in general is for everyone writing a book. I, I, and then I also totally agree with you about, you know, it taking tenacity and, and those types of things, but yes, this the study I looked at it recently. It's any depending on who, you know which one you look at. It's anywhere between seventy and ninety percent of Americans. Right. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but of oh, Amer- uh-huh. Americans say that they want to write a book before they die, and, and all kinds, you know, nonfiction, historical fiction, memoir, children's books, the whole romance area. novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, did you know that romance novels? There's this whole genre of romance novels uh, of people that write them and self-publish. So self-publishing, especially with romance novels is huge business right now. Wow. You know that? I did not know yeah, that. Christina James writes copy for me and she writes romance novels um, under the, under the pen name, Chris J. And she said that like, there's some romance novelists that'll churn out like a book a month or something crazy. Like, Whoa. <laughs> like what? They just do it full time. Wow. They get a following and they make a living doing it. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Like just, wow. you know, there's like passionate romance and erotica and it, it's its whole thing out there. So mm. all you well, people want to know about we, love. You know, it's so funny because my friend, and I think, you know, Sark too, Susan yes, Ariel Rainbow Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So, I mean, I remember when I first met her, she was putting out her, I think her 15th or 16th book at the time. And she had done one nonfiction book a year for over a decade. And I was like, uh, uh, what? Like, and that to me blew my mind because that felt like, I mean, I just can't imagine going through the nonfiction book process. Basically you'd be doing it at all times. Like every project would be in different phases. That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, I, I could do it if that's all I was doing. Yep. And I feel like it would be a lot, it would be, it would be less of a headache if I didn't have children or they were grown or out of the house. Like sure. 100%. Sure. I could see myself spending all my time just writing. That's all I've ever wanted to do. When I was a brand new coach in 2009 and I, I had a mastermind 
a little peer mastermind. And they asked me then, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I would be the happiest if all I had, if all I did was write. And I still wow. feel that way. So it's, it's possible. And, you know, it was just a dream back then. And I mean, obviously wow. Amy and I are big fans of writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious, what do you love and what do you not love about writing? You know, Andrea? it's it's interesting. And if anyone who's listening is an avid listener of self-help podcasts and, you know, not just mine, they know that one of the frequent assignments that's given by any teacher is journaling. And I, <laughs> when my therapist gives me that assignment, you've given me that assignment. I am like, oh, I don't want mm-hmm. to. But I don't think I've ever come out of a journaling session and been like, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> Just right, never. right. And yeah. I, I've decided that it doesn't have to look like pages. And like I've, I've never done the morning pages, the Julia Cameron mm-hmm. advice, which I know a lot of people love, and I love that they love it. It's just not for me. It might be yeah. maybe when I turn fifty or something, I'll try it. But yeah. that's I don't love. I mean, I, f- I think people feel this way a lot about a lot of things, like working out. Like it's just the getting started. It's like, right. I got to like get dressed for my workout and then start at this run or whatever. And then, and then halfway through, or when you're, especially when you're at the end, you're like, oh, that was great. (laughs) That's how I feel about writing. So that kind of answered both like the, what I love and what I don't love. I also, I mean, I got to say, like, I love having written books. It is a thrill, like no other Still, after all these years, to sign a book for someone? Are you kidding? I know. (laughs) Are you kidding? Seeing my book in the bookstore, it takes everything I have not to run up and down the aisles of any bookstore telling everyone that I wrote that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I know. It's so It doesn't get old. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was just looking at my um, my youngest um, daughter's... uh, she recently came home and had written something and she said, you know, my name is Evie Rose, blah, 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 blah. And my mom writes books. Uh And I just thought that was so interesting that that's her perception of what I do. And it made me really proud. I was like, wow. And then I was like, those teachers must be very impressed that I'm an (laughs) author, you know, (laughs) I'm like, okay, whatever. But it's so funny because it really is. There's, there's nothing like it walking into a store. And like, I feel like, you know, both my books are about self-love specifically for women. And I write a lot about the inner critic, which I call the inner mean girl, as you mentioned. And I feel like they're like little self-love soldiers out there doing work and reaching people that I would never be able to reach if, mm-hmm. if I didn't have a book. Yeah, And I love that. And then you look at like something like having audiobooks, you know, and I know like your audiobook for how to stop feeling like shit. I mean, my gosh, how many people listen to it now? I mean, I it's, it's like 125,000. I mean, to, that blows to like think of people listening to your voice, reading your work. I mean, what a mm-hmm. thrill. Isn't that amazing? It is. And I wrote, so I wrote the acknowledgements for this book that comes out in August. And I wrote a special note in the acknowledgements. I'm not going to give away the secret. Everybody's going to have to stay tuned for people who are thinking about writing a book. It's just one little sentence Aww. in there. And I because I think about that pretty often, the amount, especially the amount of women out there who want to write a book, whether it's a novel or a memoir or a nonfiction book, whatever it is, 
and they are stuck because of many few reasons. Don't know where to start. Don't know how to do it. Don't feel like they can. They're inner mean girl, feel an imposter complex. And I, I cannot be with that. I cannot be with that, Amy Ehlers. Yeah. Like, yeah. please write your book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the best way, and I know this is like, you know, when I was writing my first book, again, wrote the whole thing, like multiple versions of it, hired editors or whatever before I ever had a book deal and or ever wrote my proposal. But I got that done by meeting our mutual friend who's also in our mastermind, Sam Bennett, amazing author as well. We would meet at this coffee shop in Los Angeles in Los Feliz. And we would have, I'd have this incredible panini because back then I could eat gluten. Thank you very much. And I would have my panini and my iced coffee and I would write this book. And Sam was working on a different project. And it was through the sisterhood, through the regular accountability that I wrote the first draft of that book. And that is everything to me of having that sisterhood, having that accountability, being with another person that's doing something similar to you. And that to me is one of the keys of actually getting the work done. So if there's anything you take away from this, if you have a book in your heart, if you have a book in your soul, if you are ready, get support. Don't try to do it alone. Get accountability. Find a sisterhood. And that's like one of the biggest things that you can do to like get it going on. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to, I don't want to close up with, without telling people about our free call that we're doing. It's kind yes. of a workshop. Don't you think it is? Yeah, I think it, it is. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like totally that. free. And yeah. it is happening on March the 16th at noon Pacific time, three Eastern. And it's called top 10 kick-ass tips to start and complete your writing project. March 16th, Noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. You can register for free at writingexperienceprogram.com forward slash tips, plural, T-I-P-S. Yeah, it's totally free. I don't do very many live things anymore. So, I mean, even if you want to, it's, it's if you love this podcast, you'll love this. Even if you're just mm-hmm. like kind of thinking about wanting to write, these are beginner's tips that we're giving and uh, it'll be live. And if you can't make it, sign up anyway, because we'll send you a recording probably that, that night. So you can hop on and, and check it out and it'll be, how long is it going to be? Um, I think up to 90 minutes because we're going to do 10, 10 tips. So it takes us a little while to 10 tips. And we did this last year. It's a little bit different than the one that we did last year. And it was, it was, it was right in the beginning of April when COVID hit and we were like, is anybody going to show up? And we had a lot of people that came and the comments, like everyone was like, they were, there was more side conversations. I'm like, is anybody even listening to <laughs> there was well, a lot of like community you get a, going on. I know, right? Well, you get a bunch of women together to talk about writing and then you give them a chat feature. Right. Hello, there's going to be a lot of chit chat chat going on. Up. I love that. It was blowing up. Yes. I know. But if I know, anyone's so thinking bad. about it, or even if you're just like writing curious and- yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll probably have time for some Q&A at the very end, which we're, yeah. we're happy to do. Yeah. So sure. writingexperienceprogram.com slash tips. It costs $0. Yes. It's and our gift get to, to you. hang out live with me and Amy. It'll be super fun. And I think that's it. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. I'm just, thanks so much for having me on my dear. And thank you all so much for listening. I, and again, just if you have it in you, you know, I feel like if there's anything we've learned from this past year of lockdowns and COVID and so much stuff going on in the world, 
it's like, tomorrow's not guaranteed folks. Like we get this. I mean, look at the natural, you know, like all the stuff that's going on in the world. So it's like, if you have this in your heart, if on like, I'm going to get all coaching on everyone, but it's like the deathbed wishes or deathbed regrets. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know. And I, and I'm sure you feel this way too, Andrea, that it's like, on my deathbed, I'll be so happy that I that I wrote those two books. And who knows, you know, if I have more in me, but I'm just so happy that I did that. And I want everybody who has that desire to have that. And the thing that's so amazing nowadays, and we'll talk about this a lot on the call and in the free workshop, but is you don't have to wait on a publisher to publish. You can right. self-publish so easily now mm-hmm. and get your work out into the world. And I want anybody and everybody that has that desire to to follow through on it because it's yeah. there's nothing more satisfying. Truly, it's it's an amazing experience. Amen. Yeah, I, and I just want to underscore that the the lengths that leaps and bounds in self publishing, y'all mm-hmm. leaps and bounds to when it first started. Because I thought about self publishing my first book in twenty, it was like 2013 ish, and it was just starting to kind of take hold and people were paying attention and starting to self-publish a little bit. And there were not very many options. And it was also, you could either do everything yourself or you could do like this hybrid thing that wasn't really hybrid, but it was very expensive. Basically you had to pay like five to $10,000. And then you were kind of stuck with like hundreds and hundreds of copies of your book to like sell them out of the trunk of your car. That was kind of the only option, but it's, it's so different now. There's so many easy options and yes, me and Amy have all the goods writing experience program.com slash tips. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, darling. My pleasure and honor as always. I just love you. And everyone, thank you so much for being here with us. I am so grateful for your time. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone. 